This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hello, traders, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. This is the show where we talk about futures, we talk about Forex, we talk about psychology. Frankly, there are many, many things we talk about, and we are always talking about them with the trading professionals who know them best. My name is Jack Pelzer, still conducting this podcast train and hoping to keep it on the tracks for one more week. In today's episode, Top Step Performance Coaches Dan Hodgman and John Hoagland will be here to interview Mark Wahlberg about his upcoming remake of The Six Billion Dollar Man. Of course, I'm just kidding. They'll actually be discussing upcoming economic releases, Fed rate expectations, and why you should always be buying the rumor and selling the news, which should be amazing even without Mr. Wahlberg in the studio. And if you stick around until the end, I'll be returning to debut a brand new segment in which I give real futures buy-sell recommendations based on fake news headlines. You'll definitely want to give this a listen. I call this passion project kooky currency, and I'll probably never get to do it again once Jim Cramer finds out I ripped off mad money. But before we get to all of that, it's about high time we threw it over to Mark Meadows for this week's market reaction. You know what's great about this market? The activity. This week was no different. Gold was up and down $10 in big swings. Equity futures were battling it out between the bulls and the bears. Bond futures had a couple days where one-handle moves were common. And crude oil was jumping and falling a dollar at a time. The only thing that didn't really move is the U.S. dollar. That's a bummer for Forex traders like me, but with so much movement elsewhere, it's hard to be disappointed. But the market I find the most interesting right now is gold. It gapped lower to start trade on the week as profit-taking hit after the U.S.-Mexico trade deal. Then, reality set in. The price of gold didn't rally up to 1350 because of those tensions. The metal found support and gained back the 1340 handle. Traders, this is what a bull market looks like, and it's important to recognize that, especially if you're a contrarian trader like me. So, for the near term, I'm not going to be trying to pick tops in gold or even get in on 5 or $10 down days. I'm going to be looking for areas of support and buying the dips at least until the market state changes. And that is this week's market reaction. Thanks, Mark. There's a lot of economic news coming down the pipe in the next couple weeks, and it seems many traders are hung up on trying to predict how this will affect the Fed's future decisions as far as interest rates. Luckily, we have Top Step senior performance coaches Dan Hodgman and John Hoagland here to sort it all out in this week's Limit Up interview. Thanks, Jack. This is uh, Dan Hodgman. I'm sitting down with, uh, as usual, John Hoagland. John, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. Great to see you and great to be here. Always a pleasure. It's not like we don't sit six feet away from each other all day, but it's always a pleasure sitting down and getting to chat with you. Yeah, we do uh, We do spend a lot of time together, and i got to tell you, it's, it's not a bad thing. I'm not complaining. I kind of enjoy it. They Me stick too. us in our own little room, and uh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, keep us away from everybody else. Right. <laughs> uh, well, today, John and I were talking earlier, and we were trying to think of some stuff to kind of chat about. Um, one thing that 
If you guys know and you're watching John and I's show regularly uh, Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Central Time on our YouTube channel, John and I get on there and we have the uh, the, the market recap each and every day. And uh, one thing that's been kind of a conversation lately with equities being as volatile as they are, strong sell-offs, then big rallies coming back up, um, there's this constant conversation around what the heck the Fed's going to do. And if you do watch that show, you kind of know where we stand on that one. But um, I think it makes for a good conversation just talking about economic releases. And, uh, John, there's the old saying, um, buy the rumor, sell the news. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's in, you know, in in my history and in, in my experience, and I've taken some pretty big positions into some pretty big numbers uh, and I've had some really big days and I've had some really horrible days. And if I add up, you know, if I just take those, those trades in those days and add them up, I'm about even. So I, you know, I choose not to be involved in them because the mental capital and, uh, even physical capital that it's, that it costs, you know, back then it, it, it's just not worth the risk to me. And that whole buy the rumor, sell the news thing. And it comes from the grain floor. My dad, you you know, always used to tell me, you know, hey, buy the rumor, sell the news. I said, what does that mean? Right. So he'd say, well, if there's an economic release coming out and there's a, there's a strong opinion in the trading community that it's going to come out one way or another, let's just say, for example, it's going to be a bullish number. Well, people are anticipating that. You get all the buyers in the market before the release comes out. And if the release comes out as expected, maybe even better, the opposite occurs in the marketplace. Everybody is already invested in that direction. And when it comes out, there's nobody left to buy it. So they all go the other direction. Take some profits. They all, well, even if they have profits in it, you know, the, the once they realize that hey, this thing isn't going the direction it should be because of this information, we tend to get out like lemmings. We all, we all jump off the cliff at once. We take that elevator down and the, and the, uh, the stairs up. Absolutely. And so it becomes very difficult to, to be able to uh, assess or make a, even a hypothesis as to, okay, you know, we're talking about rates and the FOMC is this coming week, you know, and it's every six weeks. So we deal with this every six weeks. What's the Fed going to do? How are we going to be positioned? If we're outright, if we, you know, if we don't have any hedge or protection on, then if something unusual happens, they say something unusual, it's a coin flip as to whether the market is going to pay us or whether the market is going to take a lot away from us. Absolutely. John, you make a good point there. You're talking about outright. And that's what a lot of our traders are doing here at Top Step. We are outright trading futures and you are exposed to a lot of risk when you are trading outrights. It very quickly can go against you. It very quickly can hurt you because you don't have that other side of if this if the bad thing happens, I'm still covered. Right. If you're hedging positions, and that was always a thing for me as an options guy, economic releases were a great opportunity to make money because we make money off of volatility. And when an economic release comes out, volatility's there. But the only way we are trading those economic releases is because we are hedged and we're delta neutral. So our whole position shows neutral when you look at our delta. Delta's 
kind of telling you how much exposure to risk you have based off of your position. So mm-hmm. our big thing was the only way we were going into it if we were a pretty good delta neutral is the only way you can carry position because otherwise you said it really well in the very beginning. Sometimes you make great money and sometimes you 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 got taken to the cleaner. Yeah. When you make really good money on one, it sets that seed inside that says I did it once, I can do it again. And you're mm-hmm. always going to remember the good time. It's really easy to remember those big days of, oh, I had one of the best days ever trading mm-hmm. that release. Yeah. I got to trade it every time now. And let's just say four out of every five times, you're going to, it's going to go against you and you're going to be searching for a point to get out and get flat. And, and it just seems as though... You know, if you do get lucky that one time, that you think that's what you're supposed to do every time. But you know, I've I've been in this for a long time, and how do you develop any kind of strategy that's going to give you um, some sort of an edge in this? Whether that edge is if it's two to one reward over risk, what it what's how are you going to do that when it's complete volatility and and there is. You know, the, the market moves before you even get a chance to respond to it. Right. Support and resistance kind of goes out the window when these numbers come out. It's emotional reaction to the number. We saw it this last week with crude oil. We had an expectation. All the experts came out and gave one opinion. Uh, the number comes out completely opposite. And we're sitting here scratching our heads. Well, why did that just happen? There's there's no rhyme or reason to what causes these numbers sometimes it, it or I, I should say the emotional reaction yeah it's just emotion and that's exactly it everyone freaks out you know one thing i used to always say when we had a big auction or it was a unemployment number coming out we would just sit there and wait until we saw the market start to slow up and go all right look for an opportunity to bring it right back to unchanged the emotion kind of goes out, and then you the market's going to start to maybe slightly react how you think. Yeah, I mean, and that's it, too. You know, people say that markets are irrational. I think they're completely rational. I think it's the participants. It's the people that are involved in them that become very emotional and, and irrational. And if you can be patient and you know, wait for extremes to establish themselves before getting involved and finding ways to find profits that you can limit risk on, I'm all for that. But just to stand here, you know, just to sit here with 10 S&Ps on when the FOMC release comes out, it's a coin flip. We have no idea how the trading public, how the emotions of the trading public are going to affect this no matter what the release is. Oh, absolutely. It is a total coin flip. You can flip the coin and you're going to be about 50-50 on if it's going to go in your direction or not. Or it may start to go in your direction. And you think, oh, it's going to continue in my direction. Leverage and then, in. wham, goes <laughs> against you. And next thing you know, you've leveraged into that move to your in your favor. And now it's going completely against you. And you there's that emotion that comes in and says, okay, it's going to turn around. It's it, it's going to come back. I, I don't want to take this loss. Then you get to the point where like I can't afford this loss. And all of a sudden, those poor decision-making and emotions taking over on you. And finally, it's at a point where you're getting calls from uh, from your broker. You're getting stopped out from loss limits. And mm-hmm. you don't have a choice, and you take that loss. And now you're sitting here wondering, why the heck did I just do that? Yeah, pretty much 100% of the times that I've ever had that thought, like, yeah, I know it's going to come back. I know it's coming back. I don't want to take this loss. 
it has only created bigger losses and bigger problems for me. I think that's the same case with every single person on the face of the earth. I can't tell you how many times I do that. And I still do it. Like, ah, oh, it's going to come back. Yeah. I, I still do it. Everyone does it. It's it's inevitable. And they say that, you know, the market doesn't know you, doesn't like you, doesn't dislike you, doesn't even know you exist. But when you have a bad position on, it certainly seems to know that you have this position on and it's going to push you to a point of pain until you get out and that's going to be it. That's going to be the low. And then that's when the market's going to turn right around uh, for you and go ab- in your favor. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and it may be coincidence. It may be just a psychological thing that the market does that we do to ourselves. The market doesn't do anything to us. Right. We do this to ourselves. And if, it, you know, whatever it is that, that creates that, it, it, you know, you're, you're, you've got a market that's breaking and you think you're going to pick the bottom. So you pick a bottom and it continues to go. And so, you, well, I liked it up there. I'm going to love it here. So you buy another one and it and continues it's to go against you. it's getting better now for me. I like this entry even more. Yeah, yeah. This is even cheaper. This is Oh, and I'm averaging down. So I, the market doesn't have to go so far to, to, to get me to break even, right? right? So I buy another one and I buy another one. Pretty soon I have this 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 gigantic loss sitting in front of me. That I don't even know how I got into, and now I'm now I'm stuck with it. And maybe you know, maybe that's how I blow up my account. Maybe that's how I hit my daily loss limit. Whatever it is, but as soon as I get out, it, it, the release, the re, that pain is now over, and it it always just seems to say, okay, that's far enough, and turn around. Right now, here's here's where I think this is interesting. Where is that point when we say? You know, you mentioned waiting for it to establish extremes. We got to really, you know, we have our rule at top step. If you're in step two, you're in the funded uh, the funded account flat a minute prior to a minute after. And I think that's a good rule of thumb. But there's no there's no finite amount of time as to how much time you need mm-hmm. before that emotional reaction is over. It's establishing those extremes, proving to you, OK, now you you can. You, if you spend enough time sitting in front of the screen and you spend enough time watching these releases, you can start to kind of get a feel or an understanding. I don't think there's one little indicator that says, and bam, there's our extreme. Now the market's going to turn around. There's nothing like that. No. It's a, And so anytime, whenever someone asks me about, well, when do you know to get in after a release? I say, if you're new to this, Wait a long time. Mm-hmm. Start to just watch these releases, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're if you're not a crude trader. You trade S and P's only. Watch the crude number on how crude reacts, because mm-hmm. it just gives you that extra feel for. Oh, okay. Now I see it established. It's really it's a little bit easier to watch when you're not involved too. Yeah. Oh, much. Yeah. Well, it's very easy to see then, right? Right. Oh, here's the low. <laughs> oh, there it is. Unless I take it, right? And then I go, yeah. So. <laughs> What's the right amount of time? Nobody can say that. Nobody. It's a completely subjective. Markets are dynamic. It's going to be different every time. Um, so when you do start to look at, okay, what's a good time? What 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 creates the extremes in these in these opportunities? Look back. Look back on your charts. Look back on the daily chart. If you have an extreme move and you're wondering, you know, how am I going to be able to respond to this or learn to respond to this at some point in the future? Look back. Did the market drive to a a previous uh, swing high or swing low in the past? Uh, you know where is where is there uh, some way that I can lean on uh, for 
risk management. You know, if you're up against a major inflection point in longer time frame, that may be an opportunity should the market give you that chance at that level because, you know, a, a major inflection level comes from, you know, it doesn't come from a five-minute or a or a 30-minute chart. It comes from a daily or a weekly chart. Mm-hmm. Those are the levels that the, these these bigger moves tend to go to because they're bigger time frame, bigger opportunities. So anytime you're looking to, to kind of improve your ability to maybe start to think, okay, this looks like an extreme, it may be, you know, it may be the market dropped to a previous level of excess from weeks or months ago, that might be an, uh, an opportunity for you to learn something about, okay, this looks like it was excess X, X number of days or weeks ago. Let's see how this responds at this level. And, you know, it, nothing is going to ever kind of work exactly the same way twice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I find the best way to learn about what might happen in the future is to look what's happened in the past. And that's what our, we're, all of us are doing. We're taking, you know, patterns that we've seen before. We've te- we're taking levels that have been rejected before, levels that have been accepted before. And we're trying to figure out how we're going to, number one, manage risk against those levels and look for those asymmetric or bigger opportunities around them. Yeah, John, you made a really good point there. When we're looking for these bigger inflection points, it's very often I any person, when they're sitting down planning out their day, they're looking at prior day high, prior day low, prior day settles. And on a, on a short time frame, on low volatility, these non-major moves, mm-hmm. those are great points to be watching. I do it every single day, breaking down those markets, writing those levels down, just watching where they are. But when we have something major like this, so Fed coming out on Wednesday with their statement, are they going to cut rates? Are they going to stay the same? I think we're going to see major volatility around it no matter what happens Mm -hmm. because it's 50-50 out there right now that they're going to cut rates. Some people are planning a cut and other people are saying, no way. Um, and the Fed's kind of just staying quiet right now until this comes out on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're you if they're when that big move shows up, it's not prior day high, prior day low. It's going to that daily, going to the weekly, mm-hmm. looking back, finding those major areas as to when the market um, made those moves. Yeah, and you know, it's not just a of the volatility that makes a big difference in these. It's the it's the the liquidity. When the liquidity dries up, okay, there's not as many participants, there's not as many bids or offers to absorb these big moves. These big moves just get bigger because of the because of the lack of liquidity. So you've got a big change in the perception of value of the product, and you have fewer participants to take the other sides of those trades. You're you're going, you're looking at a bigger move because there's nobody there to to to, to take the other side. So Absolutely. you really have to. You know, in, in either any of these moves, it's more a a function of running out of buying if it's to the upside, or running out of selling than it is to the downside, than running into buyers at below or sellers above. You really just need to run out of the participation in that direction before you can start to look for sellers or buyers um, in the opposite direction in either regard. Right, and you know what's interesting is a lot of a lot of prop firms out there that are running these major algos that are influencing these markets on a regular basis are shutting those things off during these major releases because 
they're, even the computers cannot keep up with these. They'll click them back on when they believe right. the market is finding its extremes um, being established. And well, they depend on two-sided trade. Mm-hmm. When there is a major move, a big move in either direction, we're looking at one-sided trade. We're not looking at two-sided trade in that regard, and they they, they cannot operate in that regard. And frankly, neither can I. No, it's not even worth it. If you're outright trading, just stay flat, stay patient, wait for that market to slow down. It's not worth the risk, even though there is going to be times where there's big reward and you may be right on your expectation of where the market's going to go. Don't hang your hat on that. This industry, it's about creating our own way and proving our strategies and our systems and having a faith and confidence that when this market is moving properly, the volume is there, the liquidity is there. That's where we need to be able to capitalize. And, and you know, we get it. Everybody gets blinded by dollar signs from time to time. But when you're blinded by dollar signs, you don't see a strategy. You don't see the market. All you're thinking about is, wow, there's big money here. I better try and get some of it, but the other side of it can be brutal and ugly. So make your choice. Stay patient, stay calm, wait for your opportunity. And if you're one of those people that loves to jump in on big moves like that because you get excited and uh, you see those dollar signs, maybe those are the times that you need to step away from the computer, go for that walk, come back a half hour later. Even just push your chair back so that if you do decide to do something, it's going to take you a second or two to pull your chair back up, put your hand on your mouse and respond. And maybe in that amount of time, cooler heads can prevail and you can keep yourself from from jumping into something that may or may not be something that you're going to enjoy. <laughs> right. It's funny you say that. I used to work with a guy and he would, we had a couch in, um, in one of the offices I was in. And he used to go sit back on the couch when something was coming out because he needed to slow himself up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you saw him over on the couch, you knew something was about to happen with his market. And he'd go watch ESPN. And we had we had monitors on the walls. You could kind of just see where quote boards and what was happening. And he'd just kind of look at him, look at him. And also you'd see him get up, go back to his computer, and then go and go back to the couch. Mm-hmm. because it was just his way of controlling himself. Everyone's got their little thing. Yeah. My thing is uh, I ask myself before I do anything, is this in my best interest? And that those little six letters sometimes will keep me from making an impulsive move that I've or an impulsive, I don't like to use mistake, having an impulse that I've proven over and over again is not in my best interest. Right. So. It's a total emotional thing. My question is, I just ask myself why. I force myself every, and I do it with every trade. I say why, and I have to explain to myself why I'm taking the trade. If I can validate why I'm taking the trade, then it's okay. Yeah. If I can't sit there and validate it to myself, who should be the easiest sell, then it's probably not a trade I should take. So is I make I may make a lot of money on this. Is that a good validation? Not at all, because it's not it's not factual based. Just because I may do something doesn't doesn't validate it for me. The and when I ask myself why, I'll kind of explain some of my answers. I go, why am I taking this? Well, the market is doing X, Y, and Z. So let's just say the market is in a is in a 
a b- continuous bull trend over the last four days, and we are starting to see weakness. Okay, that's the first answer. Well, where is my target going to be? Okay, if my target is going to be 12 to 15 points up, where's my risk? Well, if my risk is 10 points, for me, that's not a trade I'm going to take. I don't want to risk 10 points to make 10 points. Right. It's not worth it to me. I don't want to be. I'm, I don't want to be a scratch trader. I wish I was a scratch golfer, <laughs> but I don't want to be a scratch trader. I want to be a profitable trader. So. I got to look. I got to be able to answer these questions. Why? What's my risk in yeah, it? Why am be, I taking it? There has to be some logical reason for you to do it, not just, hey, there's a lot of money here. Right. And I won't lie. There are times I take trade based off of just gut reaction, but I don't. I refuse to do it when economic releases are out. I a lot of times will close my platform for five minutes and open it back up because it's those few extra steps to get the platform back up and mm-hmm. get things going. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you've been at this long enough to understand a, a, a gut feeling is, is perhaps an intuition that you need to, to listen to. Right. We it, talked about those last week. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. so, you know, if it's an impulse, you're, th- you're you're blinded by money. You're blinded by the dollar signs. Absolutely. If it's an intuition and there's a reason behind it. Go for do it. Do it. Right? Absolutely. At the end of the day, it's just all about trying to be profitable at this. And one day of profits is, you know, my dad always told me, one trade should never make or break you. You can never hang your hat on one win, mm-hmm. and you can never be down and out by one loss. Yeah. So one trade is one trade. As soon as it's over, you need to forget about it, and you're moving on to the it next one. It goes right with our with our saying, always trade for tomorrow. Absolutely. Always trade for tomorrow. Well, if there's anything you take away from this one today, just stay flat during economic releases. Give yourself some time. Learn how they react. And... uh if you feel like it's starting to find an extreme, wait a little bit longer, and then you may be at your extreme. Yeah, because remember that that illiquidity will push it further for you. Absolutely. John, always a pleasure sitting down with you. Always a pleasure. Jack, we'll send it back to you. Thanks, Jack, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Listeners, thank you for making it to the final segment of the Limit Up podcast. Normally, this is when I would sit you all down for a little trader therapy, But this week, I wanted to try something a little bit different, inspired by world-renowned stock barker Jim Cramer. Now, unlike the folks over at Mad Money, we here at Top Step Trader have decided it imprudent to give buy and sell recommendations on individual securities. However, I am pretty sure that this rule only applies to the real markets. So instead of giving real market recommendations based on the actual news of the day, I went to headlinesmasher.com and found some fake headlines to play with. Now remember, these are fake headlines created by a website, but I am going to try and use them and the fundamentals to suggest real futures trades. Sound super confusing? Good, because it's time to make some kooky currency with Jack Pelzer. So let's bring on that first fake headline. Germany in secret talks to send all geese to Mars. Germany's in secret talks, but with who? Are they talking with other countries in the EU, or are they talking to the U.S.? Listen, if Germany has the technology to send all geese to Mars, then I think that's a game-breaker for Deutschland. So I'm going to get along the DAX futures. Bye, bye, bye! And definitely sell the grains. Sell, sell, sell! Because let's face it, that's a lot of birds that don't need to be fed anymore. No one's going to be fattening that Christmas goose. Old people won't be buying bread to feed geese in the park. People, the birds are on Mars now. Go out there and make some kooky currency with that. 
What's next for the fake headline? Woman dies after battle with Ellen DeGeneres for Jennifer Aniston's friendship. I'm going to stick to my core position, but monitor this situation closely. One person dying after battling Ellen DeGeneres is troubling, but one instance does not a pattern make. Remember, traders, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Next headline. Chipper Nigel Farage demands a sacrifice. What is going on in Europe, people? And what is Nigel Farage looking to sacrifice? I'm thinking this isn't going to be a human sacrifice or a gold sacrifice. Let's be honest, Nigel Farage wants things in the UK to go back to the way they were. So I think he's going to go back to the Old Testament with this sacrifice and sacrifice a sacred bull. This means I'm going long cattle futures. Next headline. Procrastination is an outstanding achievement. I disagree. But if people are really going to start procrastinating and that means success, that is going to drive Q3 productivity way down. The house of pain. But then, when people and the companies are going to wait to the last minute, that Q4 productivity at the end of the year is going to blow the roof off. Bye, bye, bye! Last headline. Austrian leader calls for sex. I'll say it again, people. It's hard to know where things are going in Europe. House of pleasure. But if you're looking for a safe haven, Austria just moved way up to the top of my list. And that's it. That's all the time we have for today's episode of Kooky Currencies. I'll be back with more fake future recommendations next week, or perhaps never. We'll let the market decide. Whew, I'm exhausted. I'm not sure how Jim Cramer pulls that off every single day. We're going to let that fever dream of a segment conclude this week's Limit Up podcast as well, presented by Top Step Trader. The whole crew will be back next week, and for at least a few more weeks after that until our permanent host takes over. So until then, namaste, and trade well. This episode was produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.